Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. What is up with these people who call themselves Christians but are not celebrating Christmas? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about today on Stay at Home Mom. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. Since we're getting so close to Christmas, I mean like we are counting down the days, people, no longer the weeks. I figured now is a great time to discuss why my family though we call ourselves Christians, choose to not celebrate a holiday that people tend to try to focus on a religious perspective. This is not to cause upset to anybody. This isn't judgmental. I'm simply going to share our journey of faith and why we are where we are today. I'm going to also preface this by saying, I know a lot of people who've gone through seasons in their life where they stopped celebrating Christmas because they just really weren't sure what it was that they were celebrating, and then started celebrating it again. I have zero judgment toward anybody and how they choose to live their life, the decisions that they make. I may not always understand why a person does what they do, but I don't really feel like it's a prerequisite to being friends with somebody or even loving a person. So now that that disclosure is out of the way... And my preface is said, I would like to begin by saying, yes, we do call ourselves Christians. We are whole Bible believing, practicing Christians. What that looks like for us is that we believe scripture to be true. We believe it to be the true word of our creator given to us to guide our lives. Now, how do we interpret it? Well, I try really hard not to interpret scripture. I know that sounds so confusing. What do you mean? Everybody interprets the things that they read. And yes, to an extent, we do, right? We take things in and it filters through our own perceptions, ideologies, experiences, everything that has brought us to that specific moment in our lives to create our worldview. However, I truly, not that I'm great at this all the time and not that I'm perfect or have attained such a level that I am without fault, but I truly try to read scripture as it is without adding to, taking away, altering, twisting. That is really my goal in my Christian walk. I also do my best to not take things out of context. So there is this whole slew of people who have just taken random verses out of scripture like, oh, the Lord burned their city. He told them to kill all of the animals and the wives and the children and the blood. You know, like, he's a horrible God. And I get that. Like, if you take something out of context, it is going to appear to be extremely, you know, vile. And in the same sense, somebody could walk in on a conversation that I'm having with another person, hear three words of that conversation, draw assumptions out of context, and assume the same thing about me, right? But if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you will know I'm very much a what you see is what you get kind of a person. 
I love the Lord. I'm going to pour everything I have into serving him and my family well, into sharing the truth that he has given to me with everybody that I meet. And sometimes that's just in a smile, right? Sometimes that's buying that person coffee and other times it's just showing up. So I fully believe scripture to be true and I strive to live it to the best of my ability. I don't try to change it, interpret it. I don't try to alter it in any way, shape or form to fit my own narrative or even my own understanding. I will say my understanding definitely changes and evolves as I'm seeking the heart of my creator and I'm in his word daily. How do you go from Bible college to not celebrating Christmas? (laughs) It's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I grew up celebrating Christmas. It was a big deal in our family. We had big Christmas Eve celebrations with my mom's side of the family. In a Christmas day, we had these massive Christmas where Santa brought all of the things, you know. I was pretty young when I found out Santa wasn't real, though. And for me, that was pretty devastating. I won't say that it ruined Christmas for me because Christmas was more than just Santa. It definitely like impressed something in me. It was kind of traumatic, but it created this desire to not want to lie to my children when I had children of my own. Fast forward to my teen years. I mean, as a family, we're still celebrating Christmas, but I come to a knowledge that I have a savior and a creator, that the Lord has placed me on this earth for a purpose and seeking him and knowing him was part of that purpose. So I would say that I came to know my creator and my savior on a personal level, like a personal relationship. And I know that sounds so like Christianese, cliche kind of a thing, but I really, truly, with everything in me, feel like it was a personal relationship and a personal decision. I went to Bible college. I studied the word. I learned things that I don't think I would have learned otherwise. One of those things that I learned was that the root of Christmas wasn't actually like the birth of our Savior. Like if you look into history and what was going on in the world at that time, the Roman Catholics kind of determined like Christmas was going to be celebrated on a certain day. Now that knowledge did not alter how I celebrated at all, actually. Because all I could think was, well, we're still celebrating the birth of our Savior. That's not a bad thing, right? At least we're not celebrating Santa Claus or some other foreign god. As I matured in the word and got married and started having a family, James and I started having discussions about what we felt like Christmas would be like or traditions we should create. Because, you know, When we get together with somebody, like their family has a tradition and our family has a tradition. And now we have to try to figure out how we're going to mesh all this together in our marriage, in our new relationship. It's difficult sometimes to know that it's okay to actually start your own thing. I feel very blessed to have had in-laws that were very much like, hey, we know that you are starting your own family and that you're going to make decisions that we don't always understand, but we are going to support you no matter what you do. And honestly, my family was very similar. Neither of our families demanded anything from us. And I feel like because of that, because of that blessing, I want to call it what it is, that was a blessing. We had zero expectations on us. And because we had zero expectations, I feel like it 
created and fostered an atmosphere for us to really follow what the Lord was telling us to do. So what was he telling us to do? James aboard the commercialization of Christmas. So we had decided early on Santa was not going to be a thing in our house. But remember, like I had decided as a kid Santa was not going to be a thing in my house. I wasn't going to lie to my kids. Was not something that was on my agenda of this is what's going to make me a great parent if I tell my kids that Santa's real. Part of that was because, well, one, if I want my kids to believe that they have a savior that they can't see, they can't touch, they can't feel, how am I going to lie to them about Santa, which is somebody that they can't touch, they can't see, they can't feel, and then try to explain to them that, well, Yeshua is real. I couldn't actually like put that together in my mind how that would translate appropriately. So I was like, it's just not a thing we're going to do. We also looked at the Bible story of the birth of our Savior. And in the story, three wise men came. They gave three gifts to our Savior. They were, you know, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. So we figured three gifts. If it was good enough for our Savior, it's good enough for our kids. I also did stockings. But probably one of the biggest things that we did was I took the whole month of December and focused solely on that story. So we took our regular homeschool curriculum. We just kind of pushed it aside for the month of December. From December 1st to December 25th, we focused only on the story of the conception birth of our Savior. So we did an Advent calendar where, you know, I had scriptures that we read every day and activities that we did every day. So we were just in the word and it culminated on Christmas morning when, you know, we baked a birthday cake for Jesus and we had a birthday celebration and everybody was given gifts. That was how we chose to do it for years. I want to say my oldest is 17 and I'm pretty sure we did that for 11, almost 12 years. That was what we did. We made incredible memories. It was a good thing, right? I don't feel like we did a disservice to our children. But as James and I started really deep diving into scripture and and what it meant and really seeking the heart of our father to know what he desired from us and what that looked like, Christmas was a thing that I started to kind of feel icky about. It wasn't like one day I woke up and I'm like, burn the Christmas things. It wasn't like that at all. It was kind of, I don't know how I feel about having a Christmas tree in our house. Now I want to address the scripture in Jeremiah that talks about not having a Christmas tree in your home, right? Because in that scripture in Jeremiah, it actually talks about going out to the woods, cutting down a tree, bringing it into your house, adorning it with silver and gold. You know, that's idol worship. I would like to explain a couple of things because this is a massive argument that people present when they're trying to talk about how wrong Christmas is. This is my understanding. When people were cutting down trees in the time of Jeremiah, when he was condemning the action, these people were actually cutting down trees to make Asherah poles. And what is that? Well, it's like a totem pole where they carved images of their gods and they put it in their house as an idol. Okay, They adorned them with silver and gold because those were the offerings they were giving to their God. Now, how did I reconcile this while we celebrated Christmas? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I actually looked at our Christmas tree as our Savior was hung on a tree. His cross was made from a tree, right? And we are decorating this tree in remembrance of the sacrifice he made of his life. That was how I justified having a tree in my house. I also don't believe that the scripture in Jeremiah invalidates 
or proves anything. I honestly don't like it when scripture is being taken out of context. And I really feel like that scripture is being taken out of context when people use it in that way. So for me, I didn't feel like that was an argument against Christmas. I felt like that was talking about people making idols and bringing them into their home. And to be honest, that could literally be anything. Let's say there's a piece of furniture that you really, really like and you have wanted it for so long and you finally put it in your house and you treat it better than you treat your kids. Like that's an idol, right? It doesn't have to be a tree. It literally can be anything that you bring into your house that you actually put in a position higher than you put your creator in your life. Just to get that out of the way, because I feel like that is probably the number one scripture that everybody puts out there. And I know that's a topic that I've discussed in the past. However, as we were looking into scripture, I was struggling to find a place that said, I should put a tree in my house. Does that does that make sense? (laughs) Like I didn't want to justify something I was doing just because, well, it doesn't say I can't do it, right? But I wanted to find something that said, this is a way that the Lord said to worship him. And I couldn't find that thing in there. So James and I had this conversation. Like, what do we do about that? And he said, if you don't want to have a tree, then let's not do a tree. I'm totally fine with that. And I said, okay, I don't know that I'm ready to actually give up on Christmas. Like, I don't know that quite there yet. And mind you, these questions were happening like around Christmas. This was probably in like March, April of the year. So it was after Christmas, after everything was all done. The very last year we did Christmas, a few things happened. I remember we did all of the normal traditions that we would do. And I remember being so excited that I could hardly sleep the night before. I remember waking up super early, waiting for my kids to get up and come downstairs and be so excited and so surprised. And once they finally did start coming down the stairs, I remember videotaping them and the wonder and the excitement and all of the good feelings that they had. I also remember the feeling of complete emptiness when it was done. And I remember sitting there and saying, Lord, does this glorify you? Is this what you want from us to give to you as an offering? I just felt so empty. And I sat there feeling my emptiness, feeling that incompleteness, like something, something was missing, something important was missing. And I didn't feel like I had this like massive revelation at that time, right? I just remember sitting in that empty feeling and later saying something to James about it. Like, this year, I feel like, is this all there is? We do all of this build up and this is it. This is this is it. This is where it stops. This is where it ends. This is all we've got. I remember him kind of being like, yeah, it feels really weird, right? Like something feels off. <laughs> I can't tell you what that was other than the Holy Spirit trying to lead us into a deeper truth and a deeper understanding of what we were doing. We had people around us who stopped celebrating Christmas because of its pagan roots and all of these things. I understood where they were coming from. I didn't necessarily agree with it. But as I continued to pray and as I continued to seek the Lord, I really felt like his spirit on me was saying, this isn't a healthy thing to do. So later in the year, like after I had that weird feeling about the Christmas tree, We decided we were going to present our kids with scripture and with an understanding of the roots of the holiday and all of those things and let them decide what we were going to do as a family. Because 
well, yes, my husband and I are the heads of this household, right? And he is the head of all. I give him ultimate authority under the Lord, but we work as a team. I also believe that incorporating our children into serious life changes that you're making is really important because I think they sometimes see things a little more clearly and less jaded than we do, right? I, at this point, have 30-some years of Christmases under my belt. They're kids. They, they don't have as much experience. Yes, this is all they've known for this season, but nothing else has ever been presented to them. So they may interpret this differently. So we sat them down. We showed them a couple of videos, which I could post links to. I remember after letting our kids watch those videos and talking to them and reading through the scriptures, I remember very clearly my second oldest looked at me and said, so you're telling me this doesn't honor the Lord? And I said, well, he doesn't tell us in scripture to remember this day. She looked at me and she said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it if this doesn't honor him. If this doesn't glorify him, I'm not doing it. He didn't tell us to do it. Then this isn't a way that we're supposed to worship him. And I'm not doing it. A couple of my other kids were on board with that. My oldest, she struggled a little bit because she had more years under her belt than the rest. And then my little two, they were really little. So I don't think they really had an opinion at that time because they were still quite small. We definitely had a consensus, an overall consensus. This wasn't something that we were going to continue to do as a family. So what did that look like once we had a consensus? Well, we told our kids, okay, this is what we're going to do. For this first year, we're not going to have a Christmas tree, but we're still going to put up like the twinkle lights and the snowflakes. And we're still, we're going to decorate for the season because the nights are so long and it gets dark so early. I like to have the white little twinkle lights up to kind of brighten things up and make it more cheery. So for me, I was like, I still want to put up white lights. I still want my house to be decorated cute. I mean, we would decorate for spring and summer and fall. So really, we're not technically decorating for Christmas. We're just decorating for winter because I need to bring something different and joyful into the house. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't a big deal. But we told our kids we were going to do a month of blessing and we let them bless one another as they saw fit. So let's say a sister helped another sister and they wanted to be blessed. They wanted to be a blessing. So they'd be like, hold on. Thank you for helping me do the dishes. I have a gift for you. That kind of a thing. Well, that first year after they did that, we kind of we sat down. And we're like, how do you think that went? And they were all like, that was terrible. And everybody was just like, are you going to give me your gift? When am I going to get my gift? It was They're like, it kind of backfired. So we decided, all right, we're not going to do that again. That's totally fine. We're going to focus on giving gifts all year. Anytime you see an opportunity to bless another person, that's what we're going to do. So that's what we did. We started living a life of giving. Sometimes that looked like giving of our time. Sometimes that looked like giving of our finances. Sometimes it looked like gifting something to somebody that they were in need of or even sometimes just something that they wanted. And it wasn't just in our family. It was everyone, everywhere, all the time. Yes, we stopped celebrating Christmas. But why? Why did we actually stop? Because my kids said so. Because because it's pagan. Because we're not supposed to do this. Because we're not supposed to do that. No, it really wasn't any of that. And it really wasn't anything that anybody taught us or spoke to us or anything. 
as far as outwardly really was all about the inner working in her lives that the Ruach HaChurash, which is the breath of life from our creator, a lot of people refer to as a Holy Spirit, what he was doing inside of us, the things that were being changed and spoke to the deepest parts of who we are. And the beautiful part about that was not only was I growing and understanding and changing, but James was growing and changing and understanding. And our kids were growing and changing and understanding. And for us, it came down to, does this honor the Lord? A lot of people can say that you can honor the Lord a lot of different ways, through your worship, through your giving, through your words, through your actions, so many different ways to worship him. But the reality is, If you want to know what speaks love to our creator, you just have to ask him and be ready to receive what he says. So this is a question we asked. This question, it really changed the entire trajectory of our lives. It came down to one simple scripture. If you love me, you will obey me. Okay, well, what do you mean? If if I love you, I'll obey you. If you love me, you will obey me. What does what does that mean? What is he referring to? What do we need to obey? The Ten Commandments? Okay, Ten Commandments. Like, let's keep the Ten Commandments. We'll love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we will put no other God before him. And we won't use his name in vain. And, you know, we will honor our mother and father. And we won't commit adultery. And, you know, we're not going to do any of the things. Easy. We can do that. But really... As we started digging into the Ten Commandments, we realized it was so much deeper than like a do's and a don'ts kind of a thing. It was really him telling us what his love language was. What do I mean by that? Have you read the book, The Five Love Languages? Everybody has a way that love is spoken to them. For me, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. If my husband's not touching me, I am not feeling like he loves me. That's me. My husband's the complete opposite. He doesn't want to be touched ever. He's like, don't touch me. That's gross. Um, but for him, it's food, like it's acts of service. Feed me a meal and I feel loved. Learning each other's love languages is really difficult. I know I've done a podcast episode about that. I know I've talked about how we give and receive love and how it differs. If we're created in the image of Yahweh, if we are created in his image, what would make us think that he's any different? What would make us think that he hasn't shown us Told us, given us a way to love him. So if he says, you love me by doing these things in his word, right? And we don't do those things the way he said, are we loving him? Are we honoring him? That's the question we were asking ourselves. <laughs> because if I am not doing these, am I actually loving him? Or am I trying to love him in a way that I say, well, these are good things, so you should feel loved by them. Like, I know you didn't tell us to celebrate the birth of your son, but it's a good thing. So I'm going to do it so you feel love. That's like my husband saying, I'm going to build you this beautiful piece of furniture. Even though you told me you would rather, I came and gave you a hug and told you how much I love and appreciate you today. I don't feel loved by that massive piece of furniture, no matter how gorgeous it is, no matter how many hours he put into it, it does not make me feel loved because I've told him this is how I feel loved. Is it honoring to me if my husband does a thing in the name of loving me, even if I've told him that's not what speaks love to me? No, is he loving me? Yes, by his own standard. Is he loving me by my standard? 
No. And here's the thing that really confuses people, right? Like our creator, he's a spirit. He's not human, but there are things that speak love to him. And he was very clear about that in his word. Kind of like when he was going through with the Israelites, he was saying, you know, hey, keep this in remembrance of me always. So he did that with certain feasts. You're going to do this feast this way for all generations to come because it reminds you that I've delivered you this way. And every generation is going to remember that for always. Even Yeshua did that before he died at the Last Supper. They took communion. Communion is something people keep. Actually, the Christian church is very, very proactive about remembering to keep communion. Even Yeshua said that our Elohim is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he said to do something in the Old Testament for all generations to come, that hasn't changed. That remains the same. And that's where our understanding opened up to be like, hey, this isn't a thing that speaks love to him. So I don't necessarily want to do it. Is it a bad thing? I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. Some people will say it's a bad thing and some people will condemn others for doing it because they think it's a bad thing. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I also don't necessarily think that it's a God thing, if that makes sense. So as a family, we choose to honor Yahweh in the way that his scripture tells us. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. We try to stick to just what it says in that only and nothing more, nothing less. We just want to do things that bring glory and honor to him. So I hope that explains kind of where we're coming from and what we've believed and how we've evolved and come to this understanding. I thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I appreciate you. I appreciate your attention and willingness does not get lost on me. So I pray that you enjoy this time of the year, that you enjoy your families, you embrace them, you love them, you seek the heart of the Father with everything that you have. And as moms that are listening, that you build your home with your own two hands and create an atmosphere of love for everyone around you. Don't forget to check out our affiliates. We have Rejuva Minerals, which is the makeup line that we have used for over 10 years as a family. It's the only one I allow my kids to use. Very safe, EWG verified, ranks super high on the Think Dirty app. Also, we have our new affiliate, which is Kitsch for all of your hair care product needs. They have all kinds of accessories and things that you will absolutely love. And also our affiliate, Not Consumed, which offers small Bible studies for yourself, your kids, family, to encourage you to dive deeper into the word and to specific topics that you may be dealing with. With all of that, I'm going to thank you for following us on Instagram, listening to our podcast, and we will connect with you again next week. Mm -hmm.